Welcome to the Strides with Gray Wolf podcast with your host, Nate Reich. This podcast was created to share athlete stories on their road to the 2020 Paralympic and Olympic Games with the hope of motivating and inspiring the next generations of athletes. Throughout this podcast, we will discuss topics such as adversity, success, mindset, the peaks and valleys of sport, plus much more. Episode 12, I have Vaughn Taylor jumping on the podcast. Vaughn is my teammate and one of Canada's most talented on the track. Vaughn runs a 400 meters and even has a youth Commonwealth medal from a couple years back. Hope you enjoy my conversation with my guy, Vaughn Taylor. But how is your campaign started uh, to your uh, first Olympic birth? Um, it's It's been a uh, really long road, but it's been fun. Um, that whole campaign, I guess, started when I was, I mean, just just a kid, right? So um, just kind of been nurtured by my parents, my mom specifically, and then my coaches and just people around me that I've either competed against and become friends with. That's kind of even beaten me throughout the years and I have respect for and, and growing myself and over time has become more of a reality um, to, to get to that stage eventually. Yeah, no. And how has it felt like usually we go to training camps and you feel like you're kind of away from that home and, you know, you're, you're able to really hone in and train and how has it been without having those kind of long extended training camps? Uh, it's, it's been different. Um, those training camps are really good um, placement for athletes. I know for me, just to kind of get away from everyday life and just literally train, um, try and perform at the, at the highest possible possible um, arena. Um, and sometimes that means stepping away from, you know, family or friends or even just like um, your everyday life responsibilities, being put in a place where you're completely surrounded by what you love to do, what I love to do, which is to compete and train at the high level. Uh, with people that I, I enjoy training with, like you as one of them, uh, just always keeping the, the vibe light. Um, so training camps, not being around has been really interesting and a, a kind of a, a shift in how to mentally prepare myself um, because training camps almost kind of as a placeholder for just kind of uh, almost like a retreat in a way. So um I think the biggest difference is just mentally preparing myself for, you know, every day going to practice um, and not, not getting into too much of a, um, this is going to be the same thing over and over again, just trying to keep changing things and keeping it fresh for myself. Yeah, no. And obviously everyone knows Vaughn, Vaughn Taylor now, but let's set the foundation for everyone. How was it growing up in Jamaica and did track pique your interest while you were living there? So good, good question. I, um, I definitely started track and field at a young age. I actually didn't start with 
track, though. I started with swimming. Um, and that was massive in my life. And I'll share a story about that. Um, in particular, I remember I wanted to quit swimming, and I told my parents, and I was like, you know what, this is, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm scared of the water. I can't, I'm not grasping some of the principles of, of um, just conquering the fear of drowning. And so, and, and mind you, I could swim. It was just the fear of looking, opening your eyes and looking down and seeing just a big blue, vast thing. Um, and no one's really around. And I, I did well. I placed first and second in, in my events and in, in freestyle swimming. But I remember a moment where my mom was like, you know what, no, if you, if you quit now, like, you know, or she said this to herself, but she told me this story later on in life. But she's like, you know, if I tell him to quit now, um, he'll he'll learn how to quit in in, in late, further on in his life. And so I, uh, she inspired me as so as my dad at the time, and just to stick with it. And I think that lesson was very integral for me as an athlete and as a person to persevere. Um, and I think that's definitely bled over into track and field when I started to really train and compete with people in Jamaica um, at a very young age. It's, it's a national sport there, so it was definitely something that was very well talked about. Are you the next Usain Bolt? Are you the next Asafa Powell? Uh, which are huge names in Jamaica at that time. And um, it's, it's just, you're always being measured up to the best of the best from the, from the island. So definitely track and field was a, a part of my life at a, a young age there. Um, and as, as much as I, I loved it, um, we, we migrated to Canada and I, I lost touch with it until further, further on in my career. Yeah. Then let's, let's kind of catch up when you moved to Canada. Uh, what was your first impressions? And as you know, I just recently moved to Canada. So I'm curious yeah. what your first impressions were and did you think this could be a place that you were going to be able to call home? Uh uh, <laughs> yeah, I, when I moved, I, I was December, I think 2012 or 2000 or no, actually December 12th or 13th in uh, 2008 or nine or somewhere there. And it was the dead of winter. At least I thought it was actually winter is actually January, February in there. So <laughs> I thought it was the coolest ever. First time seeing snow, I'm wearing a huge, massive yellow jacket. Um, I'm, I'm just claustrophobic in this. I mean, I've traveled before to the States, but not, this is a new life. This is something new and, uh, it's cold. It's weird. It's fluffy. It's like cold, this slushy thing falling from the sky. Um, it was really odd to me, but I was ecstatic. I was, I was also culture shocked too. Uh, I mean, coming from, from Jamaica and seeing, the diversity there um, and then moving and seeing a different type of diversity was definitely um, a shock for me, but it was really, really, really good. Um, I, I didn't think it would be a home. So I missed, I missed Jamaica a lot. Um, but over time, over the years, I, I started to, to gravitate to people that I could, you know, relate to or find similarities in and um, found a community in track and field yeah no and that's obviously doesn't matter what sport or if it's fine arts or anything it's so important to find that 
that sense of community. And um, let's fast forward um, to high school. And for me, this is the first time you kind of came into the picture for me um, was Commonwealth Youth Games in 2017. You went into the yeah. meet with a 49.08 PB and you left the meet with a 47.92 PB. What do you credit that drastic improvement? I remember you telling me stories about this. I That was still that aha moment where you kind of came into light for me. Uh, I, I still kind of get goosebumps thinking and talking about this story. Um, but I definitely credit um, my faith, my, my mom, uh, my coach at the time, Carla Nichols, to and all those all those things, three things, integral things in my life at the time um, came together at the most opportune time um where you know i was praying about this event i was like god i want to like go to this event and i want to do well i didn't i wasn't satisfied with just going to compete or just going to represent canada which i mean can be someone's goal i just wanted to this was just my goal and i'm not knocking anyone that you know just wants to be in that arena um i just that was my goal and then i got there and i was like i want more um and i realized i was I think second last guy out of 22 guys internationally at this, on this stage. And I was like, I'm just going to compete. Like I'm, I just, I just want to do my best. And I wasn't thinking about position. I wasn't thinking about what it was, but I'll share this story. Uh, and it was the finals, I guess the, the semis and finals. I, the gun went off in the semis, got up, just thought about my coach and, and my faith leading up to getting into the blocks and, one goes off. I'm driving 50 meters in. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking of my coach. Okay, now you're going to gradually come out of it. Thinking about, you know, positioning yourself on the back stretch in this 400-meter race. It's chaotic. A guy falls to my right, like completely gone. I was like, okay, just stay focused. Just stay focused. And I come around, the, I guess, get to 200 and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of picking up on some guys. I get to the last stretch, and I think I'm third. And then I end up finishing second in my heat. And I was like, whoa, okay, what does that mean? And I, I, get, I get to the finals, and I look at the time that it was on the board. It was 48-4. And I was like, what? That's a .68 PB. And I was like so ecstatic. I was excited. I was like. I saw, I saw my mom in the stands. I saw the team Canada in the stands, and I was just like, "Whoa, that that felt so good." It almost felt so easy because I was just so in the race. I didn't realize I was moving like that, and that uh, it was just a shot of uh, so much going on. I remember the finals come around the ne- the following twenty four hours later, and um, I get there. I'm like, same thing, just trying to stay calm. I remember I was warming up and I was literally, literally listening to like something called gospel rap. It's like a mix of rap and gospel. Um, some might know uh, Lecrae. He's really, he basically, basically paved the way for gospel rappers. And I was listening to him, I was dancing. I was just like having fun, warming up. And that's, music's been a big part of, for me in, in my career as well. And just, just having fun. Uh, for me at that time, I've already won. Like I already proved to myself I could compete in a stage where 
I, I can be an underdog, but can still compete and show up on the day. I was excited to just be among eight guys that were the best in the Commonwealth division. And I was just having a blast. So I walk up to the line, see everyone going crazy. They call my name. I'm just like super calm, visualizing the race. We get in our blocks. Gun goes off. I remember the first 50 meters were super strong. Just absolutely pop, 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 pop. I get out of it. I'm like, okay, I'm with everybody. Relax down the back stretch. And I'm beside this guy from Zambia, who's first in the seed the whole way through. And I'm just trying to stay with him, but also just run my race. I'm just like going. We, we pretty much all stay staggered. There's some moving around, but in the middle where I was lane four and five, we all stayed pretty much the same around the bend. And where things start to change is the last 100 meters. And I was fifth coming off that bend. I, I watched that video over and over and over again, and I can't describe what happened in that last 100 meters. But I can tell you, for me, mentally, I wasn't in a mindset of, oh, shoot, I'm fifth. I was like, oh, I'm close to first. And I think like having that going into the raise the mindset behind why I compete is also a big part of it, of why I succeeded that day. Because I literally ran 401 meters, not 400, not 398, 401. And I ran through that line. I look up at the board and it's second place. I beat a guy by point, I think it was 01 or something ridiculous. And it was a Jamaican guy. And it just like brought everything like so full circle. Um, the Jamaican coach came up to me and was like, you know, you know, like, it, this is your time. And I was like, it just kind of like brought it back to home for me. Like literally because they, I am competing for a country that has done so much for me um, and, and kind of built me up as an athlete, but I'm also respected and, 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 and seen for who I am as an athlete from the country that I'm from. So it was just like, it was so much emotion, so much uh, achievement, so much accomplishment. And the guy from Zambia won, and it was just so much camaraderie among among us. It was just amazing. It was an amazing event. And just having that come full circle for me as, uh, for the Jamaica side of things was unbelievable. Yeah, that's... That is so awesome. And I, I don't know if I've actually ever heard you share that story, which that's that's super cool. And I, I do remember you sharing with me that there was a couple individuals that doubted that you could run in the in the 47s because you really wanted the medal. And it was pretty obvious that you had to run in the 47s to do that. Uh, how did you feel stepping on that podium knowing you did run 47, uh, knowing that you did um, in your head shut some doubters out. Um, how was that experience for you? That experience for me personally was elating. It was uh, unbelievable because it, I wasn't really focused on the doubters per se. It was more so the fact that I was able to stay focused, stay connected to 
who I am as a person and, um, and still compete to the best of my ability and, and even surprise myself. I was genuinely in a state of shock. Um, I didn't think, like I knew I could run fast, but I didn't know I could run that fast. And, and I think it just goes to, uh, at least at that point, I did not think I, I didn't, I didn't know what I could run. And so I think my coach did a really good job of like, um, Colin Nichols, who's now your coach. Um, I, I know you can say she's an amazing coach and woman in person. Um, but she did a really good job of no putting no limits on her athletes. Um, there wasn't a time that she gave me. There wasn't an agenda in terms of, um, I want you to hit this or did she just basically said, this is how I want you to run it. And I said, okay, I just put little placers in the track and I ran it exactly how she told me to. There was no time. There was no <clears throat> pre-existing notion of how fast I needed to go. Um, and I, I think that's what shocked me the most standing on the podium was that she probably knew more than I did that if I executed what she told me, I would run that fast. Yeah. Um, and she was yeah. certainly right. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. And you actually answered my next question was, which was going to be about Carla, but um, I know I've talked to Carla multiple times about you and she has always told me you were quite undertrained in high school. It was more quality over quantity for you. Um, how was the transition to the hub and the Vixie elite team? And, as you know, there's levels to this game, as many athletes say. And in many ways, there was a passing of a torch. And what I mean by that is you're coming into a very high-performance program and tra transitioning away from a coach which you had tremendous success with. Yeah, that was uh, a massive transition for sure. And, uh, and it comes back to trust with her. I remember sitting down with her at a coffee shop in Regina, Saskatchewan. And she asked me, okay, like your, your options are pretty vast here. You can go to the States, you can stay in Canada. You have to let me know where do you want to go. Uh, and I said, I don't know. It's like, do you have a dream school? I was like, not really. It's like, okay, like um, what are your goals? And I said, I want to go as far as I can with this for as long as I can. And I just trusted her. She said, uh, okay, well, there, here are some options. There's some in the States, there's some in Canada. And one of the, the things in Canada was the hub and um, and Heather Hennigar was um, someone that she knew closely and, and they actually have really similar training styles. And I said, okay, I'll check it out. Um, and I came and I entered the hub I, and I said, yes, like as soon as I came here. And the transition has been nothing short but amazing because Heather as a coach is, is basically like a sister cousin to um, Carla. So it was just a, such an easy transition um, for me and um, like the environment I'm in really kind of helped me to step my game up <clears throat> from responsibility to from that included like timing, showing up on time, like being ready to go mindset, um, all of that, like fundamental things, all the way up to running fast. Um, and it, it wasn't focused on just running fast. And that's what I loved about the program, and I still love about the program, is that they care about the athletes, their life, because they realize that that is a direct correlation to how you perform. And 
I think for me as, as an athlete, getting in, getting into more of the mileage that stuff for me in the base season gave me incredible success with, with the hub because um, it, it paid dividends later on for me when I started to get into speed because I had that aerobic capacity that's, that was already built. And that's something that I think I never had in high school. And that had that um, Carla was trying to, to get with me. Yeah, no. And to lead into our high performance conversation um, from talking to you, um, I know your faith is really, really important to you. And um, I would love to hear about how your faith anchors you in a sport which has so many peaks and valleys. Yeah, um, that's a really good one. So for me, I, I tend to look at, at life um, the way I look at sport because it's just a principle uh, and principles can be taken into very, very different um, arenas and they should be able to, right? And so this principle is, um, is to be positive. Um, I, I try to flip the script every single time. If I have a bad race, what did I learn from it? If I had a bad training session, um, why, why, like I try to try to break it down. So for example, I remember, um, I had my first ever loss. I lost the very first time in years. This was like when I started training again, I started running again in Canada. I lost to this guy. He's, he's very talented, very, very extremely talented. And I was pouting. I was, I think I was like really young. I was like 11, 12 years old. And that kind of taught me, you know, to stay humble and to be humble. And because my attitude was just, just awful towards just like losing and becoming second. And um, after that moment, I realized that sometimes in, in my career, um, faith does have that like peak and valley. But I always try to remember that throughout life, it's the same thing, right? So for, for me personally, I, I try to think that um, with, with faith that God is like someone that can lead me through these hard times um, and try to just flip the script in my mind. So that's really been a huge help for me personally, because when something good happens, I say, you know, thank God for that. Like I never try to ever take credit for, you know, being you know getting second at that event or even though I did work hard for it I do accredit that to like being able to wake up being able to run being able to like have the strength to to do what I do and I and I thank God for that so that's been huge for me yeah no and obviously as you said that attitude kind of leads into your mindset is and you know you and i have talked about my gravel mentality and um, i'm just curious um have you cultivated your own mentality and is that something that you kind of keep more inwards or do you write that down and do you review that uh quite a bit that's a good question um <clears throat> maybe i should write it down maybe that would uh, make it stronger but I know personally right now, it's something that's definitely inwards. Um, it's something that I've, I've grown up with. My, I credit my, my mom for teaching me, you know, just very principle, basic things like teach people or treat people how you want to be treated, which I'm sure everyone's heard. 
but taking it a step further and 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 applying it in in life and just treating myself with the necessary respect that um i deserve as well um so i just try to to keep my mind in a positive light all the time where that i i literally i think it was just the other day something happened and i was like oh but at least this at least i have this and i just i caught myself and i was like oh like i i i'm so quick to look for that silver lining i guess it's become a part of my mindset now yeah that's uh that's that's super important and uh to kind of piggyback off my last question, um, I've always wanted to ask you, how do you always perform or execute your race plan so well when it matters? For example, in 2019, um, you had a very consistent year, um, but you didn't have that huge P, uh, PB yet. And you made a couple errors in the semis that I remember you and I talked the night before that you needed to clean up. And then bam, that next day you clean those up and you win. Um, how do you do that, man? um (laughs) that's a really good question and i i think it it really does come down to a a number of various things i i tend to how that is how do i say i guess it, it depends on who shows up that day and i tend to show up on those days um and i i pray a lot. I try to just keep myself in a mindset that's like, I'm giving this sport, my like abilities, my energy into this being, which I, I, I call God. I mean, you don't have to believe in, in faith or anything, but this is just something for me that I literally, this is something I do. I literally in my mind say that <clears throat> this is God, like this, all the stress, all the worries of racing, that includes, okay, do I have all my stuff? How am I going to get out fast enough? What's the race plan? All these different little things that make up a race and make it successful. I, I literally say, God, you, you handle that. And I just have fun. So I almost kind of, in a way, I, I kind of shift all the negative construct of the race day that can happen in someone's mind and I shift it and be like god you handle that I need to focus and and that really helps me to just focus on having fun so like many times you'll you'll see me just like dancing or listening to music before a race and it's like the finals that's because I'm either trying to get loose and try not to think about it or I've like given it away like I've literally just like put it in a boat lay it on fire and just shipped it off. Like that's something I do in my mind um, just with my faith. And I just, I, I put so much trust in, in God in the sense that like you handle that. Like I, I know I, if I think about that right now, like that's going to be too distracting. So I, I, I section my mind and it's like, God's got it. If it's too big for me at that point where I feel that anxiety in my chest or my stomach or when I go to the bathroom because I'm thinking about it, I'll say, God's got it. It's fine. I'll pray about it and I move on. I leave it. And that's something I feel like has been probably the number one thing out of everything else 
that I can say I've done at every championship, every major event, everything that I've done really well in because I think it matters so much to me at that point. I actually do have to give some of the nerves and give some of the angst somewhere else. Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about all of your success that you've had in the sport, but unfortunately there are failures that come with the sport as well. Um, and how do you, what does success and failure mean to you? And when those happen, how do you approach those? It's hmm. a really good question. Um, I guess I'll start with failure. Failure means to me doing something or competing or training. It doesn't have to be a competition, but training or showing up in a state of mind that is not conducive to giving it your all. Um, so for me, if I was to show up to a race and I said, well, this guy's pretty good or his time's like pretty fast, I've already lost. Like that's, 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 that's the beginning of a failure mindset. And that's the beginning of something that could go really poorly. That's, that's the beginning of failure. And, and um, I, would, I would say failure is not giving it 100%. Um, success is, for example, I go to Commonwealth Games, I compete at the best of my ability, I got second, I didn't win, I did not. But in my heart, in my mind, in my soul, in my spirit, I feel like I've won that entire event. Because not only did I, I inspire people, I inspired myself. I started like having confidences in myself as an athlete, as a runner, more than before because I gave it everything I had. I, I gave it everything I had to the point where like I didn't know I was running that fast. I, I, I couldn't feel. And so that to me is success. Um, success is, is going beyond what you thought you could do because you gave it everything you had. Yeah, no, and you know that's uh, part of the sport. Unfortunately, there are there are failures. Um, do you do you kind of soak in that failure? Like, do you let it set in, or are you more the school of thought that failure is not a destination and that's just part of the process? How do you kind of uh, deal with that? Yeah, um, failure. I, I guess in, in in my definition of what failure is. Um, that would be something that I have to look at and be like, okay, like why was I thinking that? Or why did I think that person was better than me? What, what may have went into that? Um, and then I might look at that. But most of the time, honestly, by flipping the script, I'll, I honestly say like, I, I self-talk like this. You're confident, you know, you're a good athlete. Um, you train hard, you worked hard. Why don't you deserve this? This is something that you've, looking for this is something that you you know and this is not i don't really say it out loud but this is something that may play in my head like you know why did i psych myself out um and so that's something that i may you know linger with and just try to correct for the next time and then i move on um i don't linger in it very long um but it's something that i do practice just in case um, because if it's not caught early you can linger on to the next event the next event, the next event. So yeah, I definitely try to, to nip it um, if possible. And 
and, and honestly, sometimes you feel it in training. Like it doesn't have to be a competition. It could be as simple as, man, do I have to do another rep? Or coach isn't here. Like I can just, you know, do this less intensity. You finish the workout, but you know you could have given more. Um, and that's failure. And that's that's something where, you know, that could be that could be the last push you needed to win the next event. And so that's what I think of. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, failures, obviously, uh, has been super impactful, I think, for uh, both of us. Um, but how, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, performance isn't only on the track. You know, I always talk about it. It's like a painter's palette. You need to have all of these different um, tools to be able to pull from from time to time. And mindfulness is something uh, we have really worked on as a team and individually. Um, what does your routine look like and when do you pull mindfulness to help you? That's really good. Um, I probably, I, I think I pull mindfulness most, the most when I'm faced with the greatest obstacle or the greatest of importance. So whether that be a big meet or a championship, I, I tend to really go into the visualization of the race, visualization of um, competing, showing up, actually warming up, um, the visual, and, and just kind of going through what it looks like to be there, look at the track, and just like be in the moment. Um, I find that I do that the most when, when faced with, with yeah, the, the biggest challenges. And, and so maybe that could be another reason why um, I do well. Maybe I should do it at every track meet. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's, um, I don't practice it every day. I'd be lying if I, if I said I, I do. <clears throat> but um, I definitely find myself either praying more or um, just being more mindful or visualizing or keeping myself more positive around major events. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, the other day I was um, journaling and, um, you know, trying to look back at, you know, all the things I've done. And um, I'm curious, um, 10 years ago, is there something now that you know, or something that you've really learned that's helped you um, that you would like to tell your younger self? Yeah, uh, definitely. It's uh, there, there's something I guess even now I tell myself now just that there's always more left than you think there is. Um, when your body says, okay, or your mind says like, um, you're tired, there's, there's way more than there actually is. And I feel like um, that just isn't just for track and field, but that's for mental strength. That's for uh, mental health. That's for emotional ability that's 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 for everything and i feel like um i definitely tell myself that for sure um just to have it in my mind that's definitely something that i'm still even working on now just being able to always dig deeper and like where do you go to find that to find more strength um is it in your arms is it in your legs is it in your mind is it is it in an emotion is it something that's attached to faith is it attached to you know, so where do you, where do you look for these things? So I definitely try to entertain myself 
with looking for those things and, and, and entertaining that idea for sure. Yeah, no, and I always think that sports is the best metaphor for life. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to hear you talk that, you know, that you also use that in just life in general yeah. as well. And, um, you know, obviously sport is a big part of you, but uh, anyone who knows Von Taylor knows that he's more than an athlete. That is for dang sure. Um, and so I'm sure you're aware of that phrase coined by LeBron James company. Uh, and what does that mean to you to be more than an athlete? Um, and what are some of those passions outside of track and field? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I, I love uh, community. That's huge for me. Um, I mean, coming from, you heard me talk about it, coming from a country and then moving here and finding that community is huge. And, and so providing that for youth and children that are coming into the sport, I've been a, a coach and also volunteered my time at a church, just being a youth leader. And what that looks like is just to be an example. Um, just whether that's like, you know, going over um, a verse or having a, <laughs> a dodgeball fight, um, but just providing a safe, a safe space for, for youth is huge for me. I'm a big advocate for the next generation to come because if it wasn't for certain athletes and certain people in my life that inspired me when I was, I was younger, um, maybe I wouldn't be doing track and field or maybe I'd be doing something else. So, um, that's definitely something I, I give, I, you know, give back heavily in, um, another, another passion of mine is music. Um, I play the drums and I've, you know, played in different bands, different jazz bands, Played at churches, you know. I played in Vancouver, Saskatchewan, uh, Victoria here, and and just kind of given, you know, a talent that I've been given, um, and just kind of sharing that and, and helping the congregation and people in my community out with, and I love it. And so, I mean, like those are two things that um, I do a lot outside of track and field, and just finding ways to kind of shoot myself into the community um is amazing because uh, there's a lot of people that need human connection um it might not be financial help it might not be you know anything else but just like that connection um and just to know that someone is there with them and that's huge in our youth today because more like now more than ever people are feeling more alone so the more connected we are with technology, it's, it's actually the opposite in reality. So that's huge um, for me. And when I, when I can do that through sport as well, by coaching, that's even, even better. I wouldn't consider myself a coach, but again, on the line of like building up the next generation, that's something I'm, I'm really huge on. Yeah, no. And um, obviously we know that your shoe game is always strong. Um, so I want to hear, is there any new shoes you have in the cycle or just some of your favorite ones uh, that you've been cycling through? Yeah, I got uh, the new Pegs uh, 37s, the Color Wave. They're super dope. Um, they're basically white, but like the colors are different on the sides. And um, yeah, they're, they're super fun. I've got, uh, I still have my Air Max 97s, but of course. Uh, it's the American edition. Oopsies, but uh, <laughs> it's it's. I haven't really been shopping a lot lately for new shoes. 
actually, um, I've actually been looking at maybe opening up a nonprofit organization with Pisces or group <clears throat> 94 forward to actually give back to the community for used shoes, um, taking it from athletes all over Victoria and repurposing it, putting new laces, new insoles, and, um, and just really trying to, to help the community out. And so that's, that's been a project for me and Candice Winnego, my girlfriend, um, and Aaron and Trish Chuck at, at the hub as well. And just trying to figure something out that will further help the community, the homeless and people less fortunate families without, um, without certain, certain benefits that others do. And, and so just trying to help where we can. And, and so building that, that out is, is really fun right now. Yeah, no, that is uh, super important. I remember being in on the inner or on the meeting when uh, when you were telling Aaron about that, and definitely definitely excited about that. And we'll, we'll me and Vaughn will make sure to um, use our Instagrams to let you guys know when we're going to uh, start that. Um, and so now I have seven words, and I want to hear the first word that comes to your mind uh, oh, when I say a phrase or a word. Um, Jamaica. On <laughs> Re- Regina, Carla, Vic City Elite Team, Nate Reesh, <laughs> Track and Field, Usain Bolt, Tom and Nate, Jokesters, <laughs> Victoria, Haven. 2021 Olympic Games. Ooh, one. <laughs> love it, love it. And then I have two last questions that I ask every guest. Um, first off, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, on Instagram and really everything Vaughn Taylor 2000, and that's my first and last name and the number 2000. Awesome. And lastly. What do you want your impact to be on the world? My impact, I am definitely actually given this thought and the impact I want to create is, is to question or for people to question, um, you know, do they want more um, and can they do more and um, definitely impact the youth and definitely impact uh, the next generation coming up. And the message is, is simply, um, that we all have a purpose and um, you can help somebody else by fulfilling yours. And so um, by me doing what I can do, the talents that I've been given, um, want to set that and, and pave the way for inspiring other people to also do what they love. Um, because a lot of people nowadays aren't doing exactly what they, they love to do, but maybe what they have to do. Um, and I just want to inspire more people to take a leap of faith. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you get notified when the new podcasts get released. That's it from us here at the Strides with Grey Wolf podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Strides with Grey Wolf. Follow your host's journey to the Paralympics at Nate Grey Wolf. Remember, disability isn't inability.